0: In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Last week we heard an outstanding sermon by our deacon, the Reverend Myra Kingsley, about the Beatitudes. You know, those sayings from Jesus, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, and so on and so forth. Her sermon reminded us how these blessings and these woes, in Luke's gospel there are woes that are attached to the blessings, how these blessings and woes make the good news of Jesus and his way of integrity, forgiveness, and love even harder to comprehend, Sometimes it's so difficult to really fully digest that people have to make light of this stuff in movies, in print, in TV, on television, even in the comics. Anytime we hear the Beatitudes in church, I bet some of you have a memory of Monty Python's Life of Brian, blessed are the cheesemakers and all makers of dairy products. Or you might remember reading in the paper a long time ago, reading J. Paul Getty's quote, the meek shall inherit the earth, but not the mineral rights. Or you might chuckle to remember the very short-lived ABC television show, GCB, with Annie Potts and Kristen Chenoweth, when two upper-class Dallas Christian women argue about what's happening around their subdivision. Well, after all, I thought Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Not in my neighborhood he didn't. Even Charles Schultz's Peanuts cartoons have to find humor in the complexity of the human condition when in one cartoon Linus and Lucy are fighting and Linus, oh Linus, trying so hard to be a good person in the situation, yells out, "'I love mankind!' It's people I can't stand. <laughs> All of this stuff rings true at some point for us in our lives. And today we build on what we learned last week. This time we get even more instruction from Jesus. The golden rule. Do unto others as they would have, as, as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Do good. And lend, seeking nothing in return nothing in return. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. One challenge built on another challenge built on another challenge. Hearing all of this at once makes being a Christian seem downright impossible. I'm just a person who wants everybody to get along, right? But this is tougher instruction than we often hear. Jesus is urging us to go beyond our comfort zone. We're being encouraged to love people whom we don't want to love. After all, if you already love those who love you, how are you really growing as a person? Our calling is to love even those who will not love us. And that's very difficult indeed. But there's a deep truth in Jesus' teaching today. If we do not forgive others, we are the ones hurting ourselves. Someone once said that not forgiving was the equivalent of putting out a box of rat poison and then pouring out a portion of that rat poison and consuming that rat poison and then sitting down watching the rat run across the floor and you waiting for the rat to die. Not smart. Often we only hurt ourselves when we get locked into being unforgiving, judgmental, and stingy. But what if we're really angry? What if we're so hurt by others? And some of us have really been hurt. Forgiveness is kind of the last thing that's on our mind. True. And so we're called to be wise. Forgiveness does not mean that we are called to be foolish, but we are called to be forgiving. And we're called to be wise. Jesus telling us to turn the other cheek makes us start to imagine someone slapping us on the face, and instead of us decking them or defending ourselves, we envision Jesus saying, Okay, turn and and, and let the person slap you again. This is not what Jesus is saying at all. What he's actually saying is something very clever. In Roman culture, if someone was shamed by another person in public, they would backhand them on the cheek. You shamed someone by hitting them with the back of your hand. So if you turned the other cheek they'd have to slap you again by the front of your hand, which would then elevate you to the same status as them. By turning the other cheek, you would immediately demand dignity, which they would absolutely be forced to give you. Kind of smart. Likewise, if Jesus is telling you or is saying, if anyone has taken your outerwear, steals it, Why not give them your underwear, too? Then you'll be standing in front of them naked and causing them public embarrassment for what they've done to you. Obviously, these are ancient world examples. But there are ways in which this call from Jesus for wisdom still applies. We are a people who need wisdom now more than ever. I'm sure there are tons of ways to think about this, but the lens I want us to think this through with you is all about integrity, our integrity, for us being called by God to stand exactly as we are. We are called to be the people we are fully created by God to be, and we are called to not be ashamed We're called to expect dignity from others, and likewise, God is begging us to treat others with dignity and respect as well. We're called to take this and inject breathing room into places of conflict. Instead of with heightened conflict and escalation, we're called to respond with conflict. We're called to respond out of integrity, forgiveness, and love. We're called to respond out of the truth of who we are. When we choose something very different than our enemies expect, we reclaim our power and we preserve our dignity no matter what. Think about it. When we choose something very different than what our enemies expect, we reclaim our power and maintain our dignity. We stand exactly as we are, as the people of God has fully created us to be. We become even wiser and stronger. There's an example of this in the movies, and tonight being the Academy Awards, kind of want to bring it up. In the Star Wars trilogy, there's a moment when Darth Vader is about to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi, And instead of Obi-Wan Kenobi defending himself, he turns off his lightsaber and he tells Darth Vader, if you go ahead and do this, I will only grow stronger. That's the movies. We're talking about real life right now. And this idea of standing exactly where we are is not easy. Sometimes being like this can cost a great deal. The way of integrity, forgiveness, and love is not easy, and it might cost everything. A story was once told to me about how the Nazis during the Second World War used knowledge as a way to break down people. They would go into German towns, and they would, find, they would go on a hunt to find out something hurtful, Something hurtful about someone. And then they'd use what they learned to cause conflict, to ruin the community, and to break the society. So during this time in history, there's a story about a priest named Maximilian Kolbe. Maximilian Kolbe was one of these sort of people that the Germans really wanted to find out something about. And they did two things. First, They tried to break Colby. They would say, Father Colby, we know this about you. We know this about you. We know this about you. And he would stand there and say, yes, that's all true. Then they tried to go further and intimidate him more. And he'd always respond to them saying, it's all true. And he said, and I tell you what, I'm going to tell you a few things you don't know. He kept going by saying, you know, God knows everything about me and more, and God still loves me more than I even love myself. So you can't bring anything against me. I know who I am. God knows exactly who I am. That's the first thing. The second thing, just another part of this story, is that he was eventually forced into a concentration camp, a work camp full of Polish resistance fighters. And one day, as it happens, a shovel disappears. And the Germans want to know where this shovel was because they knew that the shovel could be used for escape. So they lined everyone in the camp up and said, there's a shovel missing, and if this shovel does not appear right now, or someone doesn't own up to taking this shovel, everyone in this line is going to be killed. Everyone in this line is going to be killed. And Maximilian Colby stepped forward and said, I took the shovel. He hadn't. But he stepped forward. He knew who did. And the man who had taken the shovel was trying to escape because he had nine children on the outside. And Colby stepped forward and said, I am the man who has the shovel. And the Nazis ended up accepting his story And he died in the concentration camp. This is someone who knew who he was as a beloved child of God and was unwilling for his enemies to take away his dignity. Anytime they wanted to backhand him on the cheek, he turned the other and disarmed them with wisdom and grace and the truth that in God's kingdom we are all judged by the same creator. And when we forgive our enemies, we are forgiven in an even more powerful and profound way. He's someone who realized the fact that I have nothing to fear from anybody. And I can even go so far as to give up my life for somebody else because I am not afraid. Wonderful, extraordinary human being. He knew that his integrity and his faith would help him confront uh, this emptiness of his own insecurities. To confront the fear of taking a position or taking stands about things or stepping forward and being able to face something like the Hitler regime or whatever the challenge might be. It's something that comes only when you're not afraid. You're not afraid of anything because you know your life has a deeper and broader meaning. Jesus' commandments to turn the other cheek, to forgive your enemies, to not judge, but instead to be your own beloved self, this kind of awareness... This awareness of God's love for us casts out our fear and it enables us to take risks, to live fully in the life of the kingdom of God. That's what the experience of being loved by God is really about. The whole world begins to look different because we respond to everything not out of anger or vengeance but out of integrity, forgiveness, and love. So now it's our turn. How do we follow the golden rule and breathe, breathe new life into the conflicts of our day? How do we bless the cheese makers and all the makers of dairy products even when we're lactose intolerant? How do we love mankind and people too? How might we bless the poor, bless The meek, the hungry, those in prison, those who are rejected by everybody else. How do we bless them and help everyone know that under the great realm of the kingdom of God, we all belong? All of us. This is the work we're called to do. This is the faith that we're called to practice every day. It's exciting. It's real. It's kind of raw, and it starts with your willingness to forgive, to turn the other cheek, and to stand in your truth with integrity, and to call upon the one who first loved us, Jesus Christ himself, to call upon him and ask for an abundant portion of this wonderful integrity, forgiveness, and love. We got this road of life, Ahead of us, there is lots to do. It's time to love humankind and people too.